0: Hey, what's going on? What's happening? What's
1: happening? Oh, nothing much. Nothing much. What's going on with you?
0: Not much, man. Happy Halloween. How was your All Hallows Eve? All right, just went to one party. Nothing big. That's nothing. always what you do as an adult when you don't have kids.
1: I mean, you just drink. And I always forget that Halloween is still for kids. I am not around kids, so I don't to see trick or treating activities.
0: This nigga, wait, hold on, pause. Flag on the play, time. You, this nigga goes, I'm not around kids. What's your profession, sir? I'm a teacher. Okay. But Continue. I don't,
1: I don't go trick-or-treating with them. That would be odd. <laughs> <laughs> that would be odd if I was going trick-or-treating with them. Plus, I teach mm-hmm. them in school. So, they don't really treat like that. That's true. Like, Halloween is like a little kid's holiday or a, an adult holiday.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, the costumes be exactly the same, just... Including the same sizes. But <laughs> think about it. Like,
0: that's, that's a- In between. Yeah. yeah. Halloween, another one of them things I talked about was, hey, there's two holidays where you can basically get away with murder. Halloween, wait, three. Halloween, the 4th of July, and um, New Year's. And, uh, wow, Alpo... Apparently got murdered last night. That's Cameron's
1: character, and paid in full. He got his receipt. That is crazy. I mean, it took a while. I don't. I haven't read anything else about what's happening with the case. But it's a while. Like we're talking about long, long, long after after his story, mm-hmm. and then the movie came out, and then it's been a while since the movie came out. So. <laughs> Floating around Harlem, and Takashi
0: always would be like, Alpha be in Harlem. Why can't I be out here?" And I was like, "You can't." Now this is not your argument, no more, sir.
1: You can't say that no more.
0: <laughs>
1: uh, you no, know, I don't even think Takashi. Have we seen Takashi since? That was a nice little flash in the pan, like, uh, I, sir. I was glad that went away, sir. Takashi is. You haven't been following, sir. You got to follow up is outside Uh, i'm not talking about him being outside i'm talking about popularity like i know he's still doing stuff online i just know that nobody's paying attention to him anymore
0: no clubhouse which i'm not so, yeah, it's him and Whack 100.
1: <laughs> That's really all that matter. I was like, God, I was like, I couldn't believe people was paying attention to this. And now they not no more. I was like, yo, he had like one good song, maybe half a good song. Was one. And was one. he turned that into a real, I mean, look, there are a lot of things that were going into that. Whether we're talking about race appropriation, uh, just straight bite. Like, there's a whole lot of stuff that went into that, Yeah. But I, I can't wait till years later till we really look back and study that one and be like, yo, what happened there?
0: Oh, for sure. It's just, I mean, but people need to understand you've got to just show respect when you're another race and you come to a black art because things can get black and ugly as ever. However, I stay used to down to my socks. Once again, once again, it's your friend Avery, like a very nice guy here Within My Humble Opinion. Podcast, and like I said, I'm Avery, like a very nice guy, also known as Avery Zadius which you can find me at Avery Zadius on all socials. And I have my co host, my brother, my blood brother, the best writer on the planet this side of Mars because I've been both sides of the Mississippi, I haven't been past Mars. But- okay okay (laughs) but he is the greatest he is just Devon ladies and gentlemen Devon Douglas you can find him at at just Devon on Instagram and no I'm sorry you can find him at Dr. Douglas on Instagram and just Devon on Twitter and you can find us both at my home below which is in my humble opinion podcast where the opinions aren't humbled and the words aren't jumbled and it's another good day here at in my humble opinion podcast because we've come with another guest. All right, Houston is the third largest city in America. Okay, fuck Chicago. I'm playing. I'm playing. I love you, Chicago. But uh, real talk though, you know, Houston's really like a conglomerate of like small towns and cities that form the music powerhouse that we are in. Right there's there's Mo City. Okay, there's there's Acres Home. There's there's Katy. That's where Drake said he'll he'll duck you off to. Uh, There's also Sugarland, that's me, Highway 6 Scott, Highway 6 Scott, that's me, Sugarland, I'm from there, you know, Travis Scott's from there too. Uh, You know, let's talk about one place that's special. You said what, Devon? He's from Mo City. Eh, You know, he's from that side. He's from that side. That's that Mo City, that side that you can't go through at night. That side of Mo City, you can't go through. It's basically Sugarland. But... But, which I love, Travis Scott, one of my favorites. Huge fan.
1: Uh, huge fan,
0: Yes, huge fan, huge fan. But let's talk about a special place now. The Leaf, A-Leaf, that is. SWAT, Southwest A-Leaf, Texas, okay? A-Leaf definitely has something in the water because the acts and artists that have come out have shaped the sound of hip-hop for the better and placed it in the position that it's, that it's in. And that's the best position that it's in for a while, all right? see people like Maxo. I don't have to say the cream, okay? You know who I was talking about. Smush bros. Up and coming, you'll hear more. Toby Nick the, you know. Toby Nick Thank you, I can't say it. All right. He's from the SWAT. He's from the AJ McQueen, all right? But one of the best on the mic, we have God King Preach here, all right? He's opened up for various artists, like the greatest rapper of all time, Scarface. OK, his lyrics promote higher learning and Lord have mercy, because you better recognize that he's just trying to resurrect the love of hip hop in the community. If you know, you know what I did there. He knows what I did there. All right. The doors of the church are now open, people, for the A-Leaf native God King Preach. All right. With his latest endeavors of free verses on Indigo Saturdays, because we'll talk about it once again, like I said. God King Preach, people. God King Preach.
2: What's going on? That's the best intro I've ever heard, man. That's the best intro I've ever heard from you, man. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> it's, it's, it's still, I mean, I'm, I'm thankful that y'all having me right. <laughs> no, look,
1: we're happy that you were able to come on. Uh, there is something I want to know, though, particularly about A-Leaf, because there's a lot of talent that is coming out of A-Leaf. And I don't know what... I was born in 1980. So I graduated high school in 99. Uh, I had a lot of friends that were graduating my same year at A-Leaf and then they had little brothers and sisters, like my brother's four years younger than I. Uh, Doug, A-Leaf wildly changed in that four years, between like 99 and like 03, 04. It was mm-hmm. like, like I was talking a and like Doug, it's like my brother and sister go to a completely different school that I went to, like everything just kind of flipped. Uh, first of all, I got two questions. Let's go out the first one. What was going on in A-Leaf at that time to make this flip or this changeover? Describe how the city was.
2: Well, when when I first moved to a I was maybe like eight. My mom lived in A-Leaf before, uh, before we did. Um, I didn't, you know, part of my backstory, I didn't really stay with my mom until I was like so um I would visit, but um I don't know, man. It, it, you know, when I was a kid, it was like a you know a cool little little place, but I feel like it wasn't really known. And then when we would go to like the north side, you know, like off of homestead or like Coke apartments or you know, whatever, my sister would be like, don't tell them y'all from Ali, you know what I'm saying? And um it was just it was just um, you know, just like a little community that there didn't really have a lot of light on it. I would say that, um, you know, it being like one of those little niche communities, you had a lot of people coming from the outside because A-Leaf is real diverse. So, um, you know, it was the first time I was going to school and it was like Ukrainian kids and Arab kids and Asian, you know, like other Asian, you know, ethnicities, I guess. But um, but we were like those little kids that were from the hood. that kind of like migrated to there. And um, I'm assuming, you know, just growing up, and being from there and also being from all these little diverse hoods that us just growing up and having those backgrounds kind of came into play um, in terms of like our, our maturation and then what we were seeing and um, just what, you know, what came into place with, you know, all the game banging and all that kind of stuff that came after that. Um, for us, it, it's kind of weird because we're right under the people where A-Leaf was A-Leaf and then it was, um, you know, then it turned into the West and then the, the SWAT. You know what I'm saying? Like we really turned that into something. Like being in the sixth and seventh grade, where you know you kind of like big facing or, or smushing people or whatever you call it. We was calling that Westing. That was like, oh, you know, he wested him or whatever the case is. So I guess just us being young and and, and really just like coming into our own. We kind of were writing that that fold of between um, between where A-Leaf was kind of like just this little small community that people didn't know about. And then like A-Leaf actually having a name for more than just like academics or whatever. Like um, my uncle K-Rom, he, what, he was like, what, 40? I want to say like his mid-40s. And he's like one of the first Gangster Disciples that was in A-Leaf. And it's like, that wasn't even like you know, that wasn't even like a big thing. It was like one of the first three. So you got to think with, with it being that small, it's something that had to grow even within A-Leaf. But then, you know, in my little bracket, you you came up and you had all of this uh, like Southwest Cholos and you had BBs and you had Chris. We didn't have a lot of bloods, but, you know, that hood element just kind of came up in there. So I'm guessing with all the ed- like education with um along with the lifestyle that's what kind of turned a leaf into more like a like a special community
1: and y'all have this really like diversity adds a lot to it because like even the artists that we were naming we didn't name all the artists but i mean when you just talk Mm -hmm. like you know maxo and toby alone we are talking about people that Mm -hmm. that grow up in the same community and you know like watching the evolution of both of them is still speaking on what is going on in that community and honestly have a very good view of the community and how to fix it how to work with it they just talk about it differently uh and then you see other artists coming out you've got you you've got like aaron may uh rob Gillette uh you know what i mean there are so many different types of artists that are out there uh Mm -hmm. when you were coming up uh and you're watching this community grow up but it is also a thing where it's like i mean except for a few older cats it's not necessarily a lot of people yelling out a leaf Mm -hmm. yelling out the west or yelling out the swat Mm -hmm. how did you decide you want and like you said you're with your sister and you're like hey don't tell them we from a leaf you know what i mean so it's Mm -hmm. like how did you start establishing yourself as an artist like who were you looking at and then what was your first foray into like deciding how you wanted to be an
2: artist um honestly uh i didn't i never really like wanted to be like a rapper or anything i wanted to play football you know what i'm saying so um when once i stopped playing football my mom really made me stop playing because of my grades or whatever like after my ninth grade season I really didn't have like much to do but I always had like a love for music. And um ironically um I guess a little bit after I stopped playing football, my, my mom had this friend named Gerald who was a producer. He's uh from LA. Um they started dating and he moved down and he um he actually like produced on The Chronic and uh, The Chronic 2001 and um and all of that so I guess, you know, I started listening to, uh, well, I had already always been a Jay-Z fan, but I listened to the blueprint and I also listened to ghetto fabulous, like fab's first album. And something in me was like, I can do this. And I guess like the, uh, the combination of that and this producer, you know, coming into our home, we had, was having this conversation and I was like, I can do that. And he was like, do it. And I literally just started writing raps from there. He told me, um, Go in the room and write to a beat, and I picked uh, Jay Z's "You, Me, Him, and Her," and um, he said, "When when they start, you start, and when they stop, you stop." And um, shit, I went in there and did it, and it was like one of those damn dash moments, I guess, where he was like, "Damn, it wasn't even whack. you know what I'm saying, like like Damon Kanye. But um, <laughs> in terms of me being uh, an, an artist, you know, I just really had an affinity for words. Like I learned how to read really early and everything that I did was kind of, like, learning was geared more toward, like, the spoken word, Um, so it just was, like, one of those things that kind of came natural, or naturally, and um, I would just compare myself to, like, these super, super dope MCs. I remember, uh, like, hey, you know, you have Music Choice. I would listen to Music Choice. It's like the rap station, and I, like, listening to like people like Joelle Santana and Cameron. I remember thinking like, damn, I'd never be as good as Joelle's. Like I wanted to quit rapping because I wasn't as good as them without even understanding. Like I was a kid who was just learning how to write raps. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So you were really gravitating heavily to a lot of East coast rappers as well.
2: Yeah. 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 Like my, my, my favorite rappers were uh, at that time, like Jay-Z Um anybody really on Rockefeller to be honest. I uh Mm -hmm. you know, just I mean, but you gotta think like at that point in time, East Coast rap was like really the theme. Like there were there weren't really like any West Coast MCs that were popping off and and then I mean obviously I was like a Scarface fan, um like a you know, like down south, like mystical fan. Like I, I I was a fan of the people like Snoop and um just all these other mcs but like at that time it was mainly like east coast so you
1: start rapping and you're at a young age but you got a lot of people in your corner like you know a producer that's working on chronic 2001 that's a huge step and even that even just teaching you like rap when they start rapping, stop when they stop he's teaching you how to create bars how to put all your stuff together and make melodies uh at what point are you saying okay I think I can actually
2: do this as a legitimate music. Um when I was 17, you know what I'm saying? Like, um, I don't know, my background's kind of, you know, kind of unique. My mom was kind of like, well, not, not kind of. My mom was industry, she was also involved in music, she was also involved in a lot of things. So what really hit me for two, I was like, damn, I could like I could really do this. Um, it was really two things. Um One was I had, uh, she had a friend and uh, he introduced me to this guy who produced for Zero and she took, you know, well, he, he came through, he heard me spit and he was like, all right, I'm gonna put you in the studio. So I went and um, I did a couple of songs with him and, uh, you know, he was like, damn, like this dude, like he real, he's really good. And then he was like, um, he was like, yo, he's the future. And um at that point, you know, I was kind of feeling myself uh, like, you know, but I was like, damn, okay, like I really got some if you feel like I'm the future and he produced for zero. And um then after that, there was another situation where she had uh she was out and she met some guys and uh, they had they were uh supposedly connected to chameleonaire or chameleonaire's manager. And um they they uh, brought, I guess at the time, whoever chameleonaire's manager was. I don't know if this is like like a like legitimate thing or nothing, but the guy comes and he's like, uh, he comes in my room and I had this red light bulb and they put this beat CD on, I just rapped to every beat on there. And he was like, oh yeah, like he he has something, you know what I'm saying? And at that point they, he was like, yo, we like, we want to do like distribution for you. At this point I'm like, I don't even know what that is, but I'm 17 and my mom's like, um, like, well, I'm not signing nothing until he turned 18. You know what I'm saying? So. Uh, that, that situation really put me in a mindset where I was like, damn, I could really do this. Yeah.
1: Now, okay, so after that, you know, when that goes through, your mom's like, hey, I'm not signing anything yet, which is always for the best. You gotta know what you're about to get ready to sign. Mm-hmm. It was kind of the next mm-hmm. well, First of all, what year was that around the
2: time? That was 2004.
1: Okay, so that's 04. So mm-hmm. once you're like, all right, I see people, that are looking at me that are attack, you know, they attach to people that are actually doing it. Uh, What was your first, like, I mean, first off, how'd you feel about your mom saying she not signing?
2: Um, At that point, it kind of was like, okay, it'll just happen later. You know what I'm saying? But uh, I really didn't understand time and how time changes things and how relationships could change. You know what I'm saying? So it was something that I kind of put in my back pocket, but I was so young, uh, like, it, it really didn't even... It really didn't even matter to me. You know what I'm saying? Like it was just like, oh, okay, when when I turn eighteen, I'll be able to do whatever it is I'm gonna do. So I mean that doesn't phase you, but then you turn eighteen. So what
1: once you turn eighteen, what were your next steps?
2: Shit. By the time by the time I turned eighteen, like my mom had kicked me out of the house. I didn't like have no any kind of like uh communication with her for a while. Um, so I would like that situation. I wasn't even really thinking about it. And then, oddly enough, the guys who had, uh, you know, who came to the house or whatever, uh, I just happened to be watching like public access TV, and they were burning chameleon there T-shirts and shit. So I was like, ah, that's the like that's the end of that shit. Like I already, I just knew that it was like it was a wrap. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Work out for the better. Yeah,
1: yeah, because that could have that could have gone either way. And then it's like, uh, so I mean, then what, what what are your next steps? Because eventually we're going to get to this debut album, which 2013 uh, higher learning is, I don't want to say it's underrated. I feel like not enough people have heard it because it is Mm -hmm. really, really well put together, like it showcases you in a variety of different formats, a variety of different types of songs. Like it's really like a nice slice of like you as an artist. And it's like, oh, he can do this type of song or this type of song, which is interesting hearing you and, and your upbringing. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. Like you've been trained on this. So tell us about the the getting to the creation of higher learning and then what went into it
2: um well i guess to pick up on the the, to pick up on the story like um when i was 19 i started actually like i partnered with um just one of the homies from the hood and we we started our own little label and all of that and um you know unfortunately you know he got jammed up and he had to sit down and so in the in the midst of you know that happening um I just made it up in my mind and I was like, I wasn't going to let nothing stop me and I kind of uh, just started doing it by myself. So I just had to figure out all this shit. Like, okay, how do I get CDs pressed up? Where do I get artwork? Um, how is this working? And um, you know, I did a couple mixtapes, one, which is like the classics, which is like a, a, was a jacket for beats tape. Um, wow. My brother and I, we put it together and um, DJ static hosted it. And uh, we just really took that tape and went everywhere with it. We grinded it, you know, like, and I started understanding, like, gatekeeping. I started to understand, um, like, tastemakers and all of that kind of stuff. And um, so after, you know, we did Out for the Classes, I kind of had a name for myself. Even though I had done tapes before, uh, that was the one that was like, oh, he really, you know, he has something. And um, after that, then I did, uh, I started working on two projects at a time. I was working on... um, I was working on how to be a player. Like any anybody that know me, know like I'm like a big film buff. So a lot of things that I did was kind of geared around films that I like.
0: Yeah. But
2: um, I did I did this uh, how to be a player that was kind of just like on some player shit. But at the same time, I was writing that. I started writing higher learning, and um, the first song that I started writing was a uh, Remy song. And um, once I did that, like we 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 completed the how to be a player tape. I put it out. And like we pushed it for like a week and it got like 10,000 downloads and and I just stopped. I was like, man, if this shit got 10,000 downloads, wait till they hear higher learning. You know what I'm saying? So um, just just coming up to higher learning, I just made the decision that I wanted to make music like like the shit that I like. You know what I'm saying? I didn't want to sound like anybody. I didn't want to, I wanted to do the style of music that I like. So if I felt like writing like a boom bap song, I wrote a boom bap song, um, I really like Rage Against the Machine, so I did a song that sounded like Rage Against the Machine, you know what I mean? So that was me just really pulling higher learning together, and that's why the project is so eclectic. But um, my brother, he has like an excellent, excellent ear for um, not only like production, but more so like just the, the, the layout, like the, um, what are they, the sequence in the projects. And higher learning was just like like a sweet spot. Like we we've done tapes and argued to the point where he was like, "Man, I I give you a hundred dollars if you just use this order." You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> use this song order. And um, you know that's that's when we were like, you know, obviously a, y- a lot younger. But um, yeah, when we did higher learning. We didn't have those same arguments. We we knew what it was that we we, we were capable of. And um, at that point, I kind of i figured out the networking and all of that kind of stuff and we put that tape together with uh well his name is wolf day michaels now but uh back then he was going by rico jones and uh, he's the one who produced like most of the project
0: okay okay but like so just when you by the 2013 you're already fully god fully realized god king preach like
2: when did you go from express though yes yeah, see, see express is my original name Mm. And, um, well, you know, I, it was a name that I picked for myself. I was like, I'm gonna go by express. Cause I liked what it meant. I looked in the dictionary, we were looking uh, for names and my homies is bringing me names. One of my homies, uh, Corey, uh, he go by Duke Jones. He, uh, he brought me, um, Almagest, And I was like, nigga, I will never call myself no shit like that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but the name was, it. it the, the meaning was cool. You know what I'm saying? Um, but, I was doing the Express thing. It was cool. I did a lot of cool shit. I opened up for, you know, Currency, Kendrick Lamar, uh, Joey Badass, Joel Ortiz. I did a bunch of cool shit, but by the time higher learning kind of had its run, I started working on these other projects. I, I was working on a project called In Living Color. And um, and I had gotten into, you know, I, mean, I was, we were deep in the music, um, especially like locally. Like higher learning actually ended up being like a, top 13 or top 15 tape in Houston. Um, it, it also got me ranked like one of the top artists in in Houston, in Texas by Say Cheese and all of that kind of stuff. And I got a bunch of blog coverage, but it really didn't propel me to where I felt like I wanted to go. And I kind of just had like a little shutdown where I was like, yo, if I'm a, I can't put out the same project, I have to like live life. I have to go out and have experiences and things, you know? I started working on In Living Color and um, it just kind of was slow because of, you know, my relationship with my producer, uh, Wolf Day Michaels, it was kind of it started being strained. And in that time, just me growing so much and then I had gotten into a little rap beef and all that kind of stuff. I was like, you know what, man, I'm going to take this off and I'm going to really I want my music to be a lot more personal. And uh, my grandfather, he always, you know, he always called me preacher. Like since I was a baby, he always called me preacher. And I was like, I want I, wanna, I want my shit to be more like geared around who, it, it's always been geared around who I am, but more geared around like me telling my story. And so then I changed my name to Preach Coltrane. I, but I always wanted to go by God King, God King Preach. So um, at that point I was like, you know what, we did Preach Coltrane and it, it still wasn't, I still wasn't like in the mode where I was able to grind like I wanted to. Um, and then I was like, fuck it, I'm gonna go by God King Preach. And uh, I just gravitated toward the God King thing because I'm like really into history and I fuck with um, Egypt, you know, a lot. And, um, you know, if you know anything about the Pharaohs, they call themselves God Kings. So that's where the God King came in and then preach came from my grandfather.
1: Yeah. And, you know, with that name change, I'm glad you brought that up because, yeah, after higher learning, there's kind of a hiatus where mm-hmm. you're, you you're not really putting stuff out, but I still see you on people's singles. I still, like you still manage to keep on releasing singles, keep on coming out. And uh, your name is so respected, especially amongst a lot of the rappers out here in the Houston community. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't know, I'm not saying God King made you more serious, but there was definitely a shift in tone. It felt like in a lot of uh the music was that intentional or was it just like just kinda happened?
2: No, I, I don't wanna mislead anybody to make them like I feel like um the, the God King Preach thing is, is is very, very new. Like I feel like I haven't even earned my stripes as God can't preach. Oh. But like like as express, I, I did a lot of shit. You know what I'm saying? And um, you know, me just coming from where I'm from and the way I carry myself, people always had to kinda uh, I, well, I'm gonna, well, yeah, I feel like people kind of had to acknowledge me differently because I wasn't with like all the little fuck shit. Like, I was always the type of person that'll go against the grain. Like, I've had people tell me, like, like it, in order for you to make it in music, like, you're gonna have to kiss ass and, and, like, basically tell me, well, you can kiss my ass first. And it's like, by this time I'm hearing this, it's like, I'm already a grown ass man. Like, I'm, I was raised by street niggas. Like, it's all, for me, it's all about respect. I don't care who you are. You know what I'm saying? So, um, I just carried myself like that. And it, and I never disrespected anybody. And even when it came to rap, like, unless it was like on a track, like me seeing, you know, basically like how I felt about me as an MC compared to other people, then, um, there really wasn't any like, uh, braggadocio or anything like that. But, uh, people really just, just had to look at me a little different than how they looked at everybody else. And I, it's, it's a combination of that. And I'm, I'm assuming just, like, the talent level. You know what I'm saying? Sure. But um, in A-Leaf, as far as I'm concerned, like, um, like, Rob Gillette been doing it longer than anybody. You know what I'm saying? And even Rob, like, when I met Rob, he was talking so much shit. I was like, hey, I, I ain't never heard you rap, but you talk so much shit, you better be good. You know what I'm saying? And we was at an open mic, and he killed it. I was like, I fuck with it. And he was like, hey, nigga you better be good. And then like, he actually took the took the time to actually like go and try to check my background to see like if I'm really from the hood and all that kind of shit. And you know, people was vouching for me. So it just kind of came to one of those things where it's like, okay, he, he really is like this nigga that he's presenting himself to be. And just locally, I guess, with me putting out music the way I put it out, people just had to respect that. And um, it just turned into, you know, this thing where it's like, oh, he nice, you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. And shouts out to Rob. Because Rob, I will say this about Rob.
1: He is honest about what he is good at. Like, he ain't gonna come up and tell you he's good at something. But when it comes to rap, he's like, yo, I got rap. Like, even as he's, you know, because he's got the the fried rice business now, too. Mm -hmm. But he'll say, like, I'm constantly working to improve. You know what I'm saying? I'm doing this. I got this. And he's always talking about making the rice better. Mm -hmm. Right like hey i got it you know I'm <laughs> like y'all y'all not yeah. y'all not doing nothing to me it it don't matter like i hope y'all can rap but if y'all can i can and i, I i'm always a big fan of rob uh yeah, so now, I
2: feel like, okay you know, rob is like oh go ahead i'm sorry no 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 go ahead i feel like rob is like uh the litmus test when it comes to rap like rob is one of those dudes where it's like he, for a while, like, his Twitter, like, in his Twitter bio or whatever, his name was, like, the best rapper. And I really feel like Rob is, like, the best pure, yeah. flat-out yeah. rapper. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I don't have, like, I don't have any qualms about saying that, but it's like, yo, you put your time in. Like, you've been rapping for so long, and your talent level is so high. You know what I mean? But I've always been that, that type of person anyway. Like, like, when I was younger, we played with older kids. You know what I'm saying? Like, when I was Six and seven, we playing with kids who are in middle school and shit, like, like eight, nine years old, drinking beer with them niggas and, and smoking cigarettes under the overpass and shit. You feel me? So like for me, looking at Rob, I'm like, damn, I can't help but respect him as a rapper. And then it's like it, it helped me, you know, step my shit up. I ain't never been like a jealous person or nothing. So it's like still sharp and steel. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. So we're still, and Rob has just dropped. I mean, Rob just dropped a great album this last year, and he's working on a, a new one coming out now uh, for you. Because it's like you're you're you've released a lot of singles. I mean, uh, God bless Trap with uh, Do Man, Lily Aviana, Two Joe Boys, Theory Freestyle, Lord Mercy. You just released what was that? Requiem for a Dream was in June, right? Um, and, and, you know, uh, I, I also like the themes of the movies and TV shows running throughout, whether we're talking about higher learning, Requiem for a Dream or uh, uh, In Living Color. Uh, what are you working on now? Are we gearing more towards the album or in this climate, are you like, it's, let's just keep on putting out singles?
2: Uh, honestly, I mean, like the album is done. Like, God Don't Like Ugly, you know, like that's that's, that's the album. I. I like we completed that um right now i got i have a ep um the lord have mercy ep Um, my thing is i'm big on like rollouts i'm big on like capitalization i don't put music out um just to have music out and it's like a gift and a curse you know what i'm saying like um but i like i got another ep that i'm working on i'm constantly working on music but the problem for me is like I have to I have to win like I have to capitalize off of it because I've done the free projects and shit where I put music out and it was cool and we saw merch and uh we did shows and all of that kind of stuff but there was nothing you know behind it so for me it's just like I'm taking this opportunity to kind of build an infrastructure and it, like I'm not really necessarily concerned about time so to speak because I'm reestablishing myself as an artist. So when I step out, I wanna like make the best step with all of the knowledge and everything that I gain, as well as being to turn um, music into like a viable means of like income. Mm -hmm. So I've just been taking my time really to make sure that when I do it, it's like, oh shit, we paying attention. And um, that's why I'm just like, even, you know, in front of my freestyles, I say the chosen few. I don't need everybody to to fuck with me. I just need the specific people who are um, who love and like what I do. Who, and, and I'll build I'll build it. We'll build an infrastructure from there. Like I want my shit my shit to be like a cult. You know what I mean? So I want to like you know, people have a cult like following. I want to build a cult like following, even if I have to do it, you know, one brick at a time.
1: And that's the other thing, too, because it's like there are a number of, whether we're talking about A Leaf or just Houston in general, uh, artists that have been doing it since 2010, 20, 2009, the early thousands, 2013, like you, that have watched the industry move in and out in Houston. And now you're starting mm-hmm. to see different things. Like if you're seeing Maxo so have number one albums, you're seeing, you know, No Man's just rolling loud. K-Kilo was just a rolling laugh. Like mm. you're having a lot of artists that I would say, like probably 10, 15 years ago that everybody would recognize as talented, but mm-hmm. weren't necessarily getting the looks. How is it now shifting into more of that business mindset in terms of getting albums out? And how has it been putting out music,
2: being here from Houston? Um. Well, I think, you know, if you really put your microscope on it and you look at um, you look at music or you look at like this local music and we'll just like even keep it like in, in, in A-Leaf. We don't, we don't have to go outside of A-Leaf. Everybody made their move or their ascension a different way. You know what I'm saying? Like um, Maxo was really like the first A-Leaf rapper to like really hit the blogosphere. And stuff. You know what I'm saying? He started traveling. That's how he got into, uh, you know, working with A staff and all of that kind of stuff. And, you know, him, Maxo's kind of, he's younger, right? Like, Maxo's maybe like 29, 30 years old right now. Um, So he's younger than me. And then you have uh, Toby, who was a classmate of mine also. And uh, Lizzo, Lizzo was a classmate of mine. Like, we all went to high school, graduated the same class and everything. Um, when When it comes to music or when it comes to rap, Specifically, there is no one tried and true path to doing this shit. Like, I really feel like it's all about timing and just being ready. So, um, you know, I I mean, I I remember passing out... I I was passing out CDs at a Mac Miller concert one time. And we used Mm -hmm. to get CDs like a thousand at a time. And um, I'm outside and I'm passing these CDs out of shit. And Maxo come outside. And all these white kids were like, oh, shit, it's Maxo cream. And in my mind, I was like... I'm doing something wrong because I'm actually out here grinding, and this part, like Maxo come out and it's like Maxo not passing out CDs. You feel me? Like it, 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 it's 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 just not like that. It's like I'm doing something different, and at the time I didn't really realize that it was because he was having PR and things like that. Like I had to learn everything musically by myself. So, like, I never had no real, like, big budget to do this shit. It was literally like, let's go outside and figure that shit out. So even even for people like Toby, it's like, Toby built his, the way he built it. But, like, when I was working on Higher Learning, me and Toby was talking, and he was like, yeah, he was telling me about, you know, his situation. And he played me this freestyle. I'm like, damn, this shit already got, like, 20,000 streams, And I never heard Toby rap before in my life, like, ever. You know what I'm saying? And, um... Shit, even, like, with Lizzo, it's like, shit, Lizzo came in her own way. So I guess answer to answer your question, is really just about staying, staying down and learning as much as you can and really just, like, grinding. Like, really putting your time into building your own pyramid. Like, that that's how I look at this shit. Like, I'm building a pyramid right now. Like, right now, I'm at the bottom, but I'm going to just keep putting the bricks to this motherfucker, and then at the end, you know, we're going we're gonna to be in alignment. Excellent,
1: excellent. So, I mean, now that we're putting stuff together to get ready, can you tell us about the new album? Can you tell us anything about the new album, what we can expect?
2: Uh, well, for God don't like this, uh I just wanted to pick up and give give more of a, a, a feel that wasn't generated or, or built around a movie or just like thematically around a the movie. So um, I just... You know, came up with God Don't Like Ugly and I was like all right I'm gonna put the soundscape together for this title but I'm using my life you know what I mean so um, most of it's produced by Tony Dark uh, we, you know the, the project is pretty much like complete it's been complete for a while uh, on that project I actually I did a record with Scarface I actually did a record with Scarface way before God Don't Like Ugly was a thought about you know what I mean but um, I wanted a certain type of production for the record. So I got with Tony and uh, Tony put a beat to it. And, you know, we went in and, and knocked the record out. And um, it just, you know, it stuck. So I have that feature, which I've been holding on to probably for maybe like six years. Um, then, you know, I have other records. I have other records, like, uh, obviously I have Dome Man. I have uh, Anti Lily on there. I have uh, Lily Aviana. Um, uh, I'm really trying to get Devontae on there right now. Uh, you know, we be having different uh, problems with connecting sometimes. Like we, you know, but um, the project it, it, it got it has the R&B feel. It has um, the 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 real like almost like hardcore hard sound when you know like the old hardcore sound, but it's polished. It, it, it's it's like a full embodiment of. Um, what I wanted to say in in terms of being an artist and then just, like, where my life has been. Now, what
1: made you uh, reach out? Tony Dark's been on the show a couple of times. We're a big fan of Tony Dark. We just like his production style. What made you reach out, or how did y'all link up, and what made you reach out and decide, hey, I want Tony Dark to produce a whole album? Um,
2: Honestly, I met Tony, like, Years ago, he was working at a uh, Chic, and he was jamming his um his I guess it's like a mashup of uh, Nas and uh, can't even think of the guy's name, but he redid Illmatic, and um so I was like, okay, he's like a hip hop dude. He seemed real cool, and uh, Tony would reach out to me ever so often when he was like just getting into beat making, and um you know be like, yo, I want to work, I want to work, but at the time I was so focused on all these other things. And just in the midst of me really trying to pull my shit together, uh, Tony just started having bangers. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know any other way to say it. And um, so I, you know, I, I sl- kind of slowed down. The project with Mickey Woods really like showed me like, okay, Tony kind of came into his own as a as a producer. He wasn't really like chopping sh- samples and, and trying to be like on a dealer shit. Like, I really felt feel like he, he created a world for himself And I feel like that would be a good mesh for us. So we just kind of started hanging out. And, um, you know, uh, eventually I was like, yo, we should do a tape." So uh, that's really how God Don't Like Ugly came. We we was just like, yo, I want to do a project with you. Um, I just want to make sure all the business is straight. I want to make sure that we do everything properly. And then from there, we just um, started tackling records with it. And I think um, maybe the first record that we probably know the first record that we had is the intro um which is actually called "Guy don't like anything and then uh from there we we went into uh you know just running the takedown
1: uh great now i mean we've talked about the album uh mm-hmm. at this point and you know don't say it if you don't know it but we got a time when we think the album might come out or are we still getting things prepared for a rollout
2: um, no, I don't have a time for it right now. I'm, I'm really uh, working toward putting Lord Have Mercy out, which is uh, like an EP um, that I did with uh, things with Todd. Uh, I mean, Todd and I, we kind of connected and started working on some music. So I feel like in order to have like a little building, like a momentum that I, I wanted to do an EP, and it was it was really easy to do in terms of like actually getting the beats and writing the records. Um, and I, But I wanted to give people stuff because I wanted to uh like I said, really build an infrastructure for this shit. Give let people know that it's music coming, let people know where they can get merch and all of that kind of stuff. So I'm probably looking at around January for that in terms of uh just, you know, giving people music and things that they can kinda identify as part of the process to get into uh putting out guido like that. And it's kinda weird because the type of music that, that uh, Tony and I made, it's like, I'm not concerned about time or anything just specifically because um, uh, we didn't, we weren't trying to do anything that was, would be encapsulated in right now. Like when, when we sat down and we started doing the tape, I was like, um, yo, I want this to be like my, my, this to be my chronic, my chronic album. You know what I'm saying? So um with that it just you know we we got the project more than 90 percent done um i'm happy with what we have but i i just want to tinker with it a little bit and really give it that feel to where it's it's just undeniable in my opinion
1: okay okay now i mean we talked about tony uh todd has also been on this show multiple times Um, Uh probably one of the most He's at least the funniest producer in Houston, whether intentional or unintentional. What was it like? What made you link up with Todd? Because Todd, me, Avery, and Todd got the same like musical taste. So
2: I want
1: to link up with uh
2: Todd and what was it like working with him? Um oh, well uh one of the homies, my homie Kendrick, he uh he should he's like a you know video director and videographer. Like, yeah. talking, huh? Is it Black Jesus? No, that's my brother. That's my okay. brother. uh but, but my homie Kendrick, he uh he probably like five, six years ago was like, Hey, you and Todd need to do a tape. And um I was like, yeah, yeah, all right, I you know, I'll see. And um, but I never really kicked it with Todd or like spent any time with him. I just knew he was doing with the nice guys and I thought, you know, it's it's you know, it's it's cool. And um it just turned into one of those things really where uh, Todd and I were out and he was like yo we should do a tape and I was like yeah we've been talking about do a tape for years and um we came together we you know we sat down we talked about it and we just went into he, he played me um he played me a beat and it was like the really, it's, it's like the intro to the tape I'm calling it Newport um but he played me the, the beat and it got this Isaac Hayes sample he was like I never heard nobody really like rap on this and I was like, all right, bet. So I told him to send it to me and I went, you know, and, and did the shit and I was like, I already know this shit is fire. Like the way that I was rapping and the way that he told me, like I want the tape to sound like this. Um, when I when I finished, I was like, yeah, this, this is gonna be something. So we just kind of took that energy and moved it throughout the tape. I won't say that it was like the easiest process because, you know, um, just respectfully, it, it was a lot of life being lived and it was uh, some delays <laughs> and stuff like that, but uh, you we know, were able to put it together, man. You know, I, I like to be respectful of uh, people and you know, then allowing them to have what they, you know, go through their life with their ups and downs and all that kind of shit, so. Oh, cool. it, it, it was easy, the music was easy, but the rest of it was kind of, you know, up in the air. <laughs> now,
0: now that I remember this, I met you at uh where was Todd doing the DJ? Uh, yeah, so you remember that night? Uh, yeah, yeah, we were yeah, and then I was like, snap, because I remember your brother distinctly because I just retweeted him the other day, but I was like,
2: yo, y'all were talking about doing a tape back then. And that was well before COVID. Yeah, no, we did the the tape bit. Like, I'm I'm telling you, like, when when it comes to me and like doing music. It don't have to take forever. It's just about everything else. But there was a lot going on with Ty, which kind of slowed everything down. And then, you know, when it came down to us, um, kind of getting to the point where we were talking about rollout and all of that kind of stuff, the conversations just weren't. Um, it weren't. It, they weren't really conducive. So we had just had to figure that part out and then go from there. To be honest. Ah, uh, okay, okay. But y'all worked everything out now. Yeah, yeah, everything is fine, man. You know, uh, it's a, uh, it's the music business, man. So you gotta yeah, do it. Yeah, yeah.
1: and it's it's difficult translating things like art into the business world because on one hand, like you said, I can create my art, but that's not gonna take me my you know the time I'm put my time into it and get it done. But actually putting it out for consumption, for sale, that's a that's a totally different beast. Yeah. 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 Now when we talk about the marketing and things like that of albums and just the marketing you as an artist, I mean, let uh, you know, before we get out of here, can you let our uh listeners know where they can find you, uh, where they can find your music and everything?
2: Uh well, you can search God King Preach, um God King one word preach, you know, uh I guess the second word. Uh, any of your streaming services, uh, you can get me on Twitter. You can get me on Instagram at the same. It's the same thing, um, and I, I. That's the reason why I really started trying to put out just freestyles to let people know, like I'm rapping. You know what I mean? Like, like this is what I'm doing, uh, which is part of part part of the reason why we started doing the Indigo Saturdays thing. Um, but you know, just tap in with me on there, man. I will talk back. You know, if you want to talk shit. I've been telling people like if you think this shit trash, like get on here and be like that's trash, bro. You need to say you need to quit rapping or you need to save your time. You know what I'm saying? Save when your you, money, Don't quit your day job. The
0: one you did yesterday it was fire because like I I put that on my story today. So like mm-hmm. nah, you you be doing it though. But yeah, yeah, so. absolutely.
2: absolutely. Yeah, man. I just try to give it my best shot and try to showcase the uh, my. Um, how much that I can do mm-hmm. um, and, you know, kind of talk my shit a little bit, man, with my, with my freestyles.
0: That's good. You got to display that. You got to have that that bravado. And that's what you got when you do your freestyles yeah. and we enjoy it. We really want to thank you for coming through. God King preach, as you stated. You can find him everywhere on Twitter, on Instagram. Uh, go to his distro kid. All right. Bandcamp. Yeah. Buy the music.
1: Buy it. Buy it. Oh, yeah, 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 before we even get out of here, please, please, people, Uh, buy music, like if you support the artist, buy the music, I know that, and look, this is coming from somebody that used to download everything, I I was there at the Napster uh, Kazaa era, I had every piece of music all the time, and it's cool, I'll be honest with you, it's cool when you steal it from a millionaire, I, I don't care about it. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you got millions, I'm not even crying about it. But we've transitioned that into, oh, all music is worth 99 cents, and there are new artists now that come out, and they putting out music. If they got an album and you like it, go buy it. You know what I'm saying? Tony Dark just had an album. He had a vinyl. I bought it. Buy it. Bob, get an album. Buy it. If there's an artist that you like that you want to see more of, even if you're gonna stream their stuff. There are artists that I buy their album and it be sitting in Bandcamp because I stream it on my other stuff. Wow. Camp, it's a cool app, but you know, mm-hmm. it ain't the best. I'm not gonna lie to you. Like they should get worked on. But the whole point is, at least they out here doing something. Mm-hmm. Especially when they like, yo, it's like artists Fridays or whatever that day is called and they get to keep all the cash. Buy this stuff. Buy this stuff.
0: Put your money where your mouth is. You bought those Jordans, didn't you? All that Gucci you talk about, people? Buy the music. Put your money where your mouth is. Once again, this has been a great episode. God King Preach In My Humble Opinion Podcast. My name is Avery, like a very nice guy. You can find me, Avery Zadius, on all stuff. That's Just Devon. You can find him, like I've stated, Just Devon on 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 instagram and also as i'm sorry dr dougla on instagram i did it twice dr dougla on instagram <laughs> just about on twitter and at my humble o in my humble opinion podcast we really love you guys thank you for coming through humbly yours in my humble opinion podcast h-town it's too sweet h-town it's too sweet Mwah.
1: Nice kiss at the end. That was that was that was a nice little spot. You know, I mean? I thought,
0: you know.